0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. A couple of weeks ago we played a classic show from our top secret Automotive Hour vault, and we got so many positive comments. I thought this being the Labor Day weekend I'll be out of town so I'll just sneak another one in on you. This one is from way back in August 28th, 2004, almost eight years ago to the day. Harvey Wilson and I cut up and answer calls from listeners. And even though you can't call in live and get your questions answered, you can always go to the website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Of course, that stands for Zan's Garage Company. Just go to the contact bar, send me an email, I'll get an answer back to you. Now you gotta cut me just a little bit of slack. I am on vacation, so you may not get an immediate answer, but I guarantee it will be within 24 hours, and normally a whole lot faster than that. While you're on there, proves around just a little bit, take a look at the detailed topic. I put one on there just this morning on harmonic balancers, and frankly, I didn't realize there's that much to know about a harmonic balancer. For those of you who have ever had any experience with it, that's the big metal disc, I guess you'd call, it, on the front of the crankshaft of a motor. And a harmonic balancer can cause all sorts of problems up to and including a broken crankshaft. What it does, it absorbs the torsional distortion of the crankshaft. Each time a cylinder fires, it actually twists the crankshaft up to 2 degrees. Who thinks something that big would actually twist that much, but it does and that's what a harmonic balancer does. It helps to absorb that twisting motion which dampens the vibration which dampens the harmonics. Without a harmonic balancer that'll just kinda of keep building and building it reaches a critical point at which time it can actually break the crankshaft in the car. So that's what a harmonic balancer does. Of course when they go bad they can start squeaking and knocking and just all sorts of other things. Give you all kind of symptoms crazy stuff you may not know where in the world is coming from. So pop on there and read that article It'll tell you everything you'd ever want to know about a harmonic balancer. That and anything else Else you see, it's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And here's today's show. Good morning, and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altzan, with Harvey J. Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Old car won't shift, won't go into gear. Leaking. Go ahead, I'm leaking. Leaking,
1: <laughs> uh, leakin', squeaking, ticking. You know, I really do, if I had my brother I wish they would remove the word slipping. Slipping. Because... Every call we Everybody hear, listen, now if it's slipping, we it's don't slipping. hear about it. <laughs> no, no, because every symptom is
0: started off with slipping. Uh, it's one of those things that's really, it seems like it would be easy to understand, uh-huh. but people really don't comprehend what slipping actually is. Another thing right along those same lines is actually an engine miss. People are so used to older cars when it was missing. I mean, it was shaking and all that.
1: Yeah, what it used to be.
0: Yeah, what it used to be. But newer cars, man, with those things, the overdrives and all the stuff, the engine's running so slowly that when it misfires, it just feels like a vibration or something, or like Mm -hmm. like transmission not shifting. I mean, it's very, very difficult to realize what's going
1: on many times. But a froze-up fan clutch, Mm -hmm. uh, shifting late, and uh, everything's described as slipping. Which, If it really and truly... Is slipping. Uh-huh. That's a bad problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. But most of the time, it's either shifting late or or mm-hmm. clutch froze mm-hmm. up or exhaust plugged up or something, and it's mm-hmm. always relayed as slipping. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: thanks for that little clarification there.
1: Eight four nine 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 five two six. You give us a call. We'll be
0: glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Now, the absolute worst thing you can do is wait towards the end of the show to call in because we always get real jammed up with calls, and most time we don't get to all of them. Now, if that happens to you. You can log on to the internet and mosey right on over to www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com.
1: Click on contact us and send us the email and we'll get you an answer. There you go. And while you're on there, also click on the vehicle questions. There are several of those in there. Just short
0: to the point answers to questions that have already been asked. You may very well find exactly what you're looking for right there. Of course, the best thing is just to call in right now while it's got lines open. There you <laughs> go. You can get your call answered Some first. of the lines open. Yeah. First hand. Hey, we're going to the phone lines. We've got Dave on the line. Good morning, Dave.
2: Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Uh, how are y'all today? Doing good. great. Good. I have a 97 Chevy Cavalier. Okay. And I essentially got the car for free. A friend of mine gave it to me, and I'm going to let my daughter drive price it. Price is right, huh? <laughs> yeah, the price is definitely right. Now, the car is mechanically sound and in good shape, but mm-hmm. the power windows are messed up. Okay. So the front ones barely work. The back ones don't work at all.
3: Okay.
4: And
2: I took off the inside door panel on the back window. hmm And I was amazed to see that the motor is
0: bolted on there with these industrial-grade rivets. Yeah, I always figured that the vehicle manufacturers have got to have some investments in tool companies. Got to be some kind of conspiracy. Just see how many tools they can get you to buy.
2: So, obviously, what I thought was going to be something I could change out looks a lot more difficult. And
0: it does require a special rivet tool to put those in. And now that the normal old... Pop rivets like you might buy at Home Depot or something is not going to work on that. They're not going to be strong enough. Yeah, I buy the ones directly from the car manufacturers, either GM or Ford, because they're different. And you got to be very careful, because some places where it attaches to the glass, if you put the wrong pop rivet and start squeezing down, you break the glass.
2: Right. Yeah, so, so well, here's the deal. I'd be perfectly happy to sit with my daughter at the front window's work. Uh-huh. And, and just leave the back Yeah, corner.
0: a lot of people so, would uh, do that.
2: Uh, I can see by looking at it, it's not something I can handle by myself. And mm-hmm. uh, how expensive a job is that?
0: About an hour and a half job, and you got to figure the flat rates in Baton Rouge go anywhere from probably 65 to $80 an hour. Mm-hmm. So, do the math on it, and that'll tell you about the range you're going to be in as far as labor goes. The parts, if we were to do the job, we would put an AC Delco motor back in, which is a little more expensive than some of the rebuilt motors, but... Mm-hmm. In my opinion, you're more or less wasting your money trying to put the rebuilt motors in. Okay. I've put them in. They last a week, last two weeks, a month, and then you're back doing the whole job over again. So in my opinion, it's just better off to go with a good motor, if you know, a new good motor, if you can go to all-tropel. So I'm probably
2: looking at like a couple hundred dollars a yeah,
0: somewhere in there. Yes, sir. Is it possible to do
2: one window at a time?
0: Absolutely. Okay. No, there's no shared labor between the two windows, so it wouldn't be any cheaper to do them all at once or do one at a time. I think in order to get an inspection sticker, the driver's window has to operate and yeah. I don't know about the others. Maybe somebody listening could tell us what the state ruling is on that, and I'm not even sure on that, but I'm pretty sure that at least the driver's one has to go up and down to get a sticker. Okay. All righty? All right. I appreciate the help. Yes, sir. Thank you, okay. Dave. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. You just give us a call. we be glad to try to point you in the right direction. I am
1: thinking. What you think? I am thinking that Andreas either had a very rough night or we need to invest in spell checker. <laughs> if we don't say your name right, it's not our fault. We're reading it. Oh boy, I tell you, don't start no trouble, and there won't be anybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I know how he's gonna read going to. We're going back to the phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. How you doing? Doing great, sir.
5: I have a question for you. This is not mechanical. Okay. But I'm looking at a like a 2000 Honda Civic.
0: Yes, sir. The car has a reconstructed title. Okay. What are the disadvantages of purchasing something, Joe? What that is, a reconstructed title, see, prior to about three, well, I guess maybe four years ago, we didn't have reconstructed titles in the state of Louisiana. What that means is that an insurance company has deemed that this car was not economically feasible to repair. Mm -hmm. That's the reason it was totaled, and then somebody bought it, and they rebuilt it. Right. What that is is a huge red flag. Okay. Doesn't mean this particular car is bad. But it's a huge red flag. That means check that car over. Have a professional check the car over right. with a fine-tooth comb before you buy it. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that it means is that when you get ready to sell it, um, obviously you're going to buy it for a much lower price than the going right now because it's got a right. reconstructed title. Remember that when you get ready to sell the car, mm-hmm. you're going to take the same hit on it. Right. It has a much lower value just because of the real bad right. service history of cars that have been reconstructed. What happened, Joe, you got insurance companies, whether you like them or don't like them or whatever, one thing they are very good at is crunching numbers and determining what can be done at the lowest possible cost. Mm-hmm. They, in their professional opinion, said this car ain't worth fixing. Right. Now, somebody went in, bought the car, fixed it, and it is selling it, and trying to make a profit on that deal. right? So, the odds of everything being 100% done back to factory spec are against you going in. Right. Now, I've seen some reconstructed cars that worked out fine. In fact, way, way back, like in 1985, I bought an 84 model El Camino. It was a total. I rebuilt it, and I drove it all the way up until about two years ago. never had any problem with it, but then I built it myself. Right. It's just a big, huge red flag. Get that car professionally checked real, real well. If everything was done up to snuff, then you can save some money buying it. Right. But just remember, you're going to probably also lose the money on the other right. end when you sell it.
5: Well, I was planning on keeping a car for mm-hmm. my daughter for five or six years while she's in college.
0: Well, it may not be an issue then as long right. as the car will do what you want to do because by the time you get ready to get rid of it, it's not going to have any resale value anyway.
5: That's right. <laughs> and it's excellent shape. It only has 30,000 miles. The yeah. car is in excellent
0: but shape. But you can't go by the uh, right. Joe because right. I have checked. Them. You know, we do a lot of vehicle inspections before purchase, pre-purchase right. inspections. Can you do that? Oh, absolutely. We do, okay. we do a ton of that. And we, I've checked these cars, and they weren't even safe to be on the road. I've okay. checked other ones that had major problems, three, right. four $4,000 worth of problems. And then every once in a while, you check one, and it looks as good as a new car. So right. it's just, like I said, a red flag. It doesn't mean this one's okay. bad. doesn't mean it's good. It just so means I need to, to make an appointment to, send, to bring it in. Oh, yeah, them? yeah. You better call because we're booked up about three or four days ahead this okay. time of year. So okay. call Elaine Monday morning first thing. And if the guy who's selling you the car is on up and up, he's not gonna have any problem with the car being inspected. No, no, he told me that. Check on a check or whatever. Right. He's gonna understand all that. See, right. wreck check it's better than not doing anything at all, but only thing wreck check is is they go out and they buy records from insurance companies, they buy records from dealerships. Right. What that will show is if the car was wrecked and repaired by an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And it'll show how many claims they had under warranty at the manufacturer. Now the things it doesn't show is if the car was wrecked and repaired and an independent shop, or it was wrecked and a claim wasn't made on it, or if it had a million breakdowns and it never went back to the dealerships, none of that information's there. So while it's better than nothing at all, it's certainly not an all-encompassing thing. I'd never, ever buy a used car without having it inspected by a professional.
5: Okay, well, I'm going to make an appointment right. Monday and try to get it in there. All right, Miss Joe. Okay, man. Thank, thank you, man. All
0: Bye-bye. All nine nine five two six is a number if you want to be part of Automotive Hour.
1: There you go. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to move you in with Andres in a minute. There you go. I knew he was going to do it. I knew it. I thought we... I don't know. Note to self, call Dick Lewis Monday morning. But I do recall <laughs> what we used to do to chickens when I lived on a farm in, in uh, 1960. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to our follow lives with Roddy. Good morning, Roddy. How you doing? Doing great, sir. All
6: right, so I got a 92 Ford Ranger.
1: Okay. Got
2: 189,000 miles Okay. On and when I get up to like five seven in my transmission like it shuts down, and I take my foot off, and when I get to
1: 55 it fix it back up. That doesn't really sound, you know. Initially, that doesn't sound like a transmission problem. Are you sure the engine's not shutting down? Sure. Are you sure the engine is not shutting down? I'm
2: not sure. You know, no. I have power picking it back
1: up. You know, it doesn't pick up as fast as before. Yeah. Uh, my initial impression of that, Ronnie, is it's not a transmission problem. Do you have an overdrive in it? Yes. Okay, leave it in third gear and go up to that speed and see if, if you can attain 65 or 70 and, and hold it there without it bogging down, which I doubt is going to happen. But before overdrive, that's all you had was three speeds and easily able to attain 65 or 70 and sometimes a lot more. <laughs> a lot more, not
0: in that case, but. more likely, Ronnie, what he's saying is that the engine is probably cutting out when it gets under a load. See, the faster you go, the harder it is for that engine to push that vehicle. Okay. and likely what you're going to have is some type of an engine running problem, quite likely a fuel delivery problem. I'd really have to see the vehicle to diagnose it much further than that, but the way a shop would go about diagnosing that would be to put a fuel pressure gauge on it, run it up from under the hood, tape it to the outside of the windshield, and go drive the vehicle at that speed. When it starts cutting out, you observe what the fuel pressure is doing. You may have to have, I'm just going to pick a number, say 40 pounds of fuel pressure to fire the injectors. If it drops to 32 pounds, it's still going to run, but it's not going to have any power. It's not going to have enough power to push the vehicle. So anything that interrupts the fuel delivery, now that can be anything from a plugged up fuel filter to a bad fuel pump to a strainer inside the tank to a bad fuel pressure regulator, and on and on and on and on and on. So what you have to do is have a fuel pressure gauge to isolate that. Now, of course, if you get up to that speed and the fuel pressure is still good... Then you can eliminate the fuel system and you got to start looking at ignition and, and all the other things because there are other things that can cause the same problem. So, just get, check the fuel gauge on it. Yeah, check the fuel pressure and just see if good. it's maintaining fuel pressure. And if it's not, then you have to find out why it's not. But that's what it sounds like to me if I just had to guess. Okay, then. Thank Alrighty. you. All righty. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we got to take a quick little break. Bill, John, James, you guys hang on. We'll be straight back after the break.
3: Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay... According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got slots to do, neighbor.
0: Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph
3: too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car
7: be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it's shimmies and shakes and leaking oil. All over I the... think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit AGCOAUTO.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O ocom AUTO.com. Today's show is pre recorded, a special
0: encore presentation of a program originally broadcast August 28, 2004. I hope you really like it. <laughs> Sitting here just doing, playing little air drums. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldizan, with Harvey Wilson. If you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We've got Bill in line. Good morning, Bill.
4: Good morning, Louis. Yes, sir. Calling for a friend because they live out of Baton Rouge. Okay. They have a 1990 Ford F 150 with a 5.8 liter engine. Okay. In it. He has 250,000 miles on it, but it's uh, basically in very good condition. Mm-hmm. All at once, the oil pressure drops down to zero. Okay, it goes from half to zero?
0: Yep, and then if he sits a little bit... Go back up to half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what that is, Bill, that looks like a gauge, and I know he thinks it's a gauge, but it's not a gauge. Well, he said the valve started to
4: clatter. Yeah. Keep on driving.
0: Yeah, that's not a gauge. All that is an off-on switch. It's either halfway or it's off. Now, this is the criteria. If it's got more than three pounds of oil pressure, it's halfway. If it drops below three pounds, it goes to zero. So uh-huh. what it's not, it doesn't actually read. It's either going to be halfway, or it's going to be off. So what you need to do is to go in and put a mechanical gauge of known accuracy on the engine and see if it all pressure is actually dropping below three pounds. Okay. Now where is he going to put that? Goes into where the sender unit is at now. Where t- is that located? Well, he better just bring it to me and let me do it for him. <laughs>
4: Because I, 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 I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, he lives in Devonia. I don't know if he'll make it that far. <laughs> and, uh,
0: they got there's, there's a shop around there that can check it for him. But what he needs to do is pull a sender unit out, put a mechanical gauge in of known quality. Uh-huh. If he does not have oil pressure, if it's actually going below three pounds, stop driving it right there. Decide if he wants to put a motor in it or what he wants to do. If okay. he's actually got more than that, then change the sender unit. Because if a sender unit goes bad, it's mm-hmm. going to cause that symptom. But if his valves are rattling when it happens, chances are he's actually losing all pressure. Yeah.
4: Okay. And, I, got, uh, I got another question. Go I'm ahead. Go ask. right ahead. Okay. I've got a, uh, I mean a 73 Dodge pickup with okay. 105,000 miles on okay. it. Okay. A 360. hmm And you would be driving long, and you leave your foot up a little bit off the accelerator and it'll almost go dead on you. But if you come back down on it, it it won't do anything at all. At once, it feels like a jet has hit you in the rear end, and away you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bill, that's a 73 model? Yes. That's most likely going to be a carburetor problem, I would think. Wouldn't you agree, Harvey? most time where where i
1: don't think i've ever heard that description before
0: yeah i've seen like the accelerator pump is bad i mean what you do when you let off it start it goes almost to where it dies and then when you give it the gas it just do, bogs down and boom it goes yeah, so you you spin it wheel if yeah not they call it like a stumble or something okay. like that most of the time if it's actually the motor doing it then it's going to be some type of a carburetor related issue now make sure that the engine's not revving up. Harvey's worst, worst word is slipping. <laughs> transmission <laughs> slipping and, and engaging. Or delayed engagement, or going to neutral and then kicking into gear. The symptom there, of course, would be that the motor would actually race up. You'd hear the motor speed up, but the car wouldn't go, or truck wouldn't yeah. go. It's not doing that, is it? No, no, because okay. uh,
4: you can feel the, the transmission slowing it down. So.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a carburetor-related issue. And again, without checking it, I mean, there's probably other things that could cause it as well, but that would be my first idea of what it would be. Is it worse when it's cold or worse when it's hot? Or doesn't seem to make any difference. Doesn't seem to affect it. What you could do, Bill, just to kind of give you some idea, is take the air cleaner assembly off of it mm-hmm. and look down the carburetor, you know, of course with the motor not running, yes and just work that accelerator uh, linkage by hand. Mm-hmm. And each time you Push it, no matter how little you move it, you should see a little squirt of gas going down into the carburetor. If you don't see that little squirt of gas sometimes, then so you could have an accelerator pump that's not working sometimes. It's got to be working some of the time or it'd be real hard to start the truck. So it's it's probably working to some extent. It is hard to start it. (laughs) Well, there you go. What they do, they rarely go completely bad. What they do is they get like a dead spot in them. Uh You know, if you mash it to the floor, it'll pump. Or if you mash it a little bit, it might pump. But in the mid-range, they get like a dead spot. So, what you have to do is kind of move it at several positions. If you see one where you move the accelerator and it's not squirting gas, and then that's most likely you cause. Because what happens on a carburetor, you're opening that air horn, which kills the vacuum in the engine. But there's no gas going in, so whoop, it just bogs down. Okay. They always had that problem to one degree or another with carburetors. They did all kind of ingenious things to cover it up. Whereas with fuel injectors, it's not a problem because it just squirts the gas directly, according to what the computer tells it, and it's looking at the position of the throttle. So it's a problem that's been resolved with fuel injection, but carburetors always sort of had an issue like that because the way that the gas gets drawn into the engine is the air sucking into the carburetor. It has a Venturi effect. Well, when you first open the throttle, the engine's not running fast, so there's no big rush of air. So there's nothing to draw gas in. Mm -hmm. So it has a little pump that actually squirts gas in, and that's what speeds it up, and then physics take on from there. Okay, now would that
4: be just a new fuel pump? I mean, not a fuel pump, accelerator pump. You can rebuild the carburetor.
0: You can rebuild the carburetor, and it depends on why it's doing it. You know, the linkage could be worn, could be way out of adjustment, or the accelerator pump may be bad. You know, you just have to mm. check that particular vehicle and see what's going on or with it. I
4: usually charge to redo I
0: I don't charge anything, because I don't fool with carburetors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're free. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have
4: one other question. Okay. How do you go about getting old gas out of a gas tank on a car been sitting for about three or four years. And what do you need to put in the tank to clean it out, and can you put it in and let it go on through the engine?
0: Now, you got it parked over a concrete surface. You can just wait a couple of months, and when the tank rusts completely out and runs all over the ground, you just mop it up with a mop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just you now, But seriously, to answer the first question first, Bill, the only effective way I've ever seen is... Unless you've got what you call a gas buggy, which some shops have, you know, we've got a, it's a tank with a pump and a filter and all hooking you. you run a tube down there and you can manually pump the gas out of it. I've got an electric fuel pump. That pumping out. Just be real, real safe, because you're pumping a real flammable liquid. It's got to be sure that it is a fire-rated deal and all that, because you are getting a lot of trouble with a spark. Systems that we use are all mechanical. There's no electrical yeah. connections. You just got to be real careful when you start putting electricity around gas. You know, one little spark and... You know. No,
4: I mean, it's an, it's an inline. It goes on an antique car, so it's Okay, in line. okay.
0: Yes, sir, you could do that. You could just take the line fuel line loose at the fuel pump, put it in a tank you know, to contain the gas, and just yeah. let it pump it out. Could put a little extra wear and tear on the pump, but I would say a negligible amount. But, yeah, just run it until it runs it out of gas, and then just refill it with fresh gas. There are several chemicals out there that you can add to the fuel that's supposed to help with that. I'm not a real big fan of chemicals. I a class one time General Motors put on, and they showed the damage that those chemicals can cause to other components in the car. Okay. So I'm not a real big fan. I think what I do is just pump the tank out, fill it with fresh fuel. All and, right. And go with that. Whatever little bit remains in the tank is going to dilute with the fresh fuel. It'll be such a small percentage, I don't think it'll be an issue. The only other option would be to pull the tank and, you know, drain it and get in there oh. and clean it and all out. That, but that's a big deal.
4: Yeah, I think you tell me it is. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, look, I thank you an awful lot. All, all right, right, Bill. And I'll get back to him and tell him what he's going to do about that forward. <laughs> all right. I think righty. he needs in.
0: There you
1: go. <laughs> okay.
0: Thank you, man. Yes, Bye-bye. Sir.
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right, 499-9526 nine, 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 number if you want to be part of Automotive Hour.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and we've got John has been patiently holding. Good morning, John.
5: Good morning, guys. How you yes, all doing?
0: Doing great, Good.
5: sir. Man, I enjoy your show. Well, Look, thank I you. Got a, i got a quick question. Okay. got a Dotson 510 two-door. Okay. And I'm going to be... Replacing the transmission, it's got a factory four speed. Okay, and you can get a a five speed from a '79 to an '84 280ZX. Uh huh. And it's got it bolts right up. The only thing that you have to do is shorten the drive shaft. Okay. The question I have is, I've never transplanted parts and pieces of driveline. Yes, sir. My question is, one, if I go pull this transmission out of a junkyard, Mm -hmm. what's your advice as far as having that that transmission checked? And let's say, and in, and in, in, in Harvey, I know you're a transmission guy, but I don't think you do standards. All Maybe right. you could chime in on this. What kind of dollar amount? Let's say I pull the transmission, and I find somebody to go look at this thing before
0: I, you know, cut the cross-member right, and mount it. Right, right. Yeah, you want to make sure you're stuff. starting out with a decent unit. Yeah, I mean, I uh, want to go through, the, through that. I'm going to give you just a couple thoughts there, John, and I'm going to let yeah. Harvey take off from there. Yeah, you're talking about, even if you go with a 280Z transmission, a real old transmission, because yeah. uh, they had not had 280Zs in quite a while. Right. And then the fact that it's in a junkyard means yeah. that it wasn't a car that was really maintained real well or anybody loved, because a lot of the 280Zs are still going up and down the road because people love them, and they keep them, and they fix them. Yeah. So you got to be real suspicious to start with. I would say that you could probably pull the side cover and get some information. But, you know, if you're going to go to the extent of... Mm-hmm. Putting this thing into a car, I mean, that's a lot of work. I don't know that I wouldn't send that to a professional and have them rebuild that transmission. And, Harvey, I'm going to let you, because I know you don't do standard. does that? Per-
5: I can't find anybody in Baton Rouge that does standard transmissions, and I'm real leery of... These chain transmission. Yeah, plates, well, I don't you know? blame
0: you. I don't blame you. You might call Earl Zimmer at Zimmer Gears and see if Earl does it. Okay. He doesn't okay. do all imports. He does some imports. He could tell you if he doesn't do it. He could probably tell you who does. Okay. One other thing, John, you might even consider is if Nissan supplies a rebuilt transmission for that car.
5: Oh, I've already done that, and that's uh, twenty eight hundred fifty bucks. Uh, okay, well,
0: that's
1: not really an option. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Harvey, no, you got some thoughts on that? Yeah, the thing that you want to watch for on that, that I would worry about, and I would take Lewis' advice in getting it rebuilt, is anything that's sat for a long time, anything above the oil line is going to be rusted oh uh, yeah and, you know the metals that can rust of course your synchronizer rings and stuff like that won't be but you end up with a problem we we run into a lot of problems with motorhomes like that they sit for a year year and a half and uh, yeah. then they take off and you get problems with valve sticking and you know nylon gears stripping out and things like that because the yeah. nylon gears are riding against metal gears that That'll are rusted rust. yeah so that's the problem you'd run into there i'd be surprised if Earl doesn't do that particular uh baby. yeah have you called him yet Who's that? Earl Zimmer at Zimmer Gears.
5: No, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I called you guys. Yeah.
1: I know. That- Try easy over at uh,
0: Zimmer Gears. He's a little hard to get in touch with at times, but uh, call <laughs> over there or maybe stop by and, and yeah. see what he thinks about it. I'll do that. All right. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Okay, man, okay. thank you. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. We've got to take one more quick little break. Fred, Charlie, Tim, hang on. you can be straight up after this break.
3: Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes, and you've got about 30 movies.
7: Yeah, you roll in here with that car, with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line
3: because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then.
1: So
7: no car
3: repairs either, right?
7: Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive, and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December
3: 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeak Ha! I, first, I knew he was
7: crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com That's A G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Today's
0: program is from the Top Secret Automotive Hour Vault, a encore presentation from August 28, 2004. I hope you really like it. <music> Welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. 499-9526 will get you through, and that's exactly what Fred did. Good morning, Fred. Thanks for holding. Hey, good morning, Lewis and Harvey. How are you doing? Good uh, doing great.
3: got one, one main question and possibly a follow-up. Okay. I I, main question is, i got my AC in a 95 GMC truck. Okay. I, I think it's blower motor, but I wanted to get a second okay. opinion here. Going down the road, it's cool and great. You know, no problem there. And all of a sudden, the, the fan will completely cut off. Okay. And it may cut off for half a second to a second, uh-huh. or it may cut off for 15 seconds and then come back on. Hmm. It's, um, usually, if it cuts off for more than a second, it, I might hear a little whine over there. I'll turn the switch off, let it sit for a few,
5: uh-huh.
3: turn it back on, and it'll be fine. Talked to a couple other people, and they said, yeah sounds like it's probably the blower motor. It could be
0: the blower motor for sure.
3: I'm wondering what else it might be. Well, do. and
0: there's also a little controller, which is that little LED panel on your dash. Uh-huh. Those can malfunction and cause that. Pretty easy to diagnose, though. All you have to do, if you can get to do it while it's sitting still, just take a voltmeter and hook across your leads, and order just back probe the leads into the motor and mm-hmm. see if power drops out or not. If it's still got 12 volt and ground when it does it. Right. then you know for sure it's a blower motor okay if you can't get to do it while you're driving sort of a sneaky way you could do it is go to radio shack and get your little 12-volt led i mean you can buy them for about two bucks and just wire it into the circuit and put it up inside the truck where you where you can see it and then next time it does it look down and see if the led still on oh, i got you You know if it is then obviously it's getting power and all now if the LED's out then we got a power interruption problem okay but it would be pretty easy to diagnose from that respect Yeah, and, i mean i'm looking 60 bucks for a blower motor, and it looks like it's pretty easy to get. It's pretty easy, yeah. Um, the other thing, You is, just don't want to change the motor if that's not it and still have the same problem. Right. I was going to take it out and look at it and see if it was the brushes and stuff like that, but yeah, you, you get to it. You can't take the motor apart at all to get to okay. any of that stuff, but you could take it out and kind of turn it by hand and see if it's a little stiff to turn. Okay. Because generally what happens the bushings get dry in them. They get stiff to turn, which overloads them, and they get hot, and they cut out like that. And you might just try that, but again, the trick is going to be does it have power and ground when it occurs? That'll right. tell you right there if you've got a motor problem or a, a no, control circuit no, problem. For the
3: relays you're talking about, does that all come as part of the motor?
0: Okay. No, all, everything is separate. The motor is just the motor, it doesn't even come with a squirrel cage for the most part. You've got to yeah, change that's... that over. Make sure that none of the connections are burned. Does it do it more on high speed or any speed? You're talking about the
3: fan speed? Mm-hmm. Hard to tell. I don't think so, because but I usually have it on high. If it but does uh, it at all
0: speeds then it almost almost surely is gonna be the motor. Most but...
3: speed sometimes it it won't turn on. If I turn it on just to low mm-hmm. it may not come on or it'll or it or its cut out, but I never really thought that much about it. Yeah, see that now it's doing it on high speed.
0: Well, see high speed and all the other speeds has a different circuitry. When it goes to high speed, it bypasses all the circuitry that makes the speeds. Mm-hmm. So if it does it in high and lower speeds, then more likely it would be the motor. Okay. If it only does it high or only does it on the three speeds, then more likely it would be a control circuit type okay. problem.
3: All right, I appreciate it. All right. The, the follow-up, was, okay. uh, maybe for Harvey, I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes when I'm starting off from a stop, uh-huh. it sounds like the motor, you know, usually it takes off, starts pretty good. No problem. Okay. Uh, sometimes it sounds like it's, I don't know, over revving is right. And it just makes a lot more noise. And it feels like I'm not getting the acceleration that I should. Okay. Although when I look at the speedometer, you know, it, it's still accelerating, doing okay. It yeah. just kind of growls and makes a louder noise. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it's slipping or anything. It feels right. like I've got power, maybe not quite as much.
1: I think you'll notice that on hot days like we have now, obviously, but after you sit at a light for a while, or if you're going through a drive through or something like that. And it's idling a long time and you take off and then it's really noisy. Mm-hmm. That's a fan clutch doing its job. The engine's getting a little hot uh-huh. and it's pulling more air through the radiator. And okay. next time you hear, just see if that doesn't fit uh, fits that description. description. Yeah, because yeah, it it's sounds always... like the motor's making a lot
0: more noise, almost like it's racing up. Yeah, it sounds because... like the engine is making more yeah. noise than
3: racing.
1: See, that fan clutch is gonna
0: get tight when it gets hot and it's gonna start turning that big old six or eight blade fan. It's gonna make a lot of racket. Okay. So yeah. notice if, if that has something to do with it, when it's getting hot is when it's doing it. for sitting for a long time at an idle. See, going down the road, you don't need a fan at all because you've got enough air to run through that. So that clutch slips up and lets it slip, which cuts drag on the engine. But sitting idling for a long period of time, it's going to do. You know, what you might even try, Fred, is let it sit and idle for a while like that. And then without putting in any gear, just kind of race the motor up and see if you get the same noise. Good idea. All righty. Hey, thanks, guys. All, all right, right, man. You Thank take you. Care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. And we've got Joe has been patiently holding. Good morning, Joe. You doing, Mike? Doing great, sir. Yeah, I have a 93
5: Holiday Rambler. Okay. 454 Chevy in it. Yes, sir. With 35,000 miles. Okay. The all-pressure gauge looks like it's reading like 60. That's not normal, right?
0: On a GM product, that's not too far. you talking about going down the road? Right. When yeah. The- General Motors does run real high oil pressure. 60 is not that out of the ordinary on them. It's a little higher than I like to see it, but most of them will run 40 to 45 on an idle, and they will go up to about 60 going down the road. I got an 02 model Chevy pickup. Six on it does the same thing. Right. And it's always done that, and I bought it new. And Is that where the pressure's always run, or has it changed drastically? Well, I just bought the motor on yeah. about eight months ago, but yeah. it runs great. Since you got it, it's always been there, though. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's not that unusual on them, Joe. They do run a high oil pressure. That's just their strategy. I've never seen it cause problems. Chevrolet has one of the least amount of lower end bearing problems of any engine out there that I know of. Wouldn't you agree with that, Harlan? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Very few low end problems. You said it's a big block Chevy in it? Yeah, 454. 454. Yeah. See, that engine initially, way back when they came out with it, I don't remember, about 66, 67, somewhere in there. Don't look at me. I know. Uh, you know, i Well. Not. <laughs> I know your memory's going, but I, I knew you was around back then while I'm asking, Those big blocks had a good deal of trouble with lower-end bearing problems, and that may be why they boosted that oil pressure up so high on them to try to alleviate some of that. But, I mean, in recent years, I'm talking the last 10 years, I've seen zero problems with lower-end of big-block Chevrolets. You know, it just doesn't happen. So that's
5: really nothing to be concerned
0: about? Really not about. anything to be concerned about. You know, change it regular. And the problem right. you get into in a motorhome is it may take a year for you to get 3,000 miles That's right, on it. Exactly. You got to go to the three month theory on that one. Right. And I know it's hard to go and dump that all at three months when you only got yeah uh, 2500 miles yeah 10, miles yeah a thousand miles on it right. but that's very important because you get a lot of contaminants that build up moisture and stuff in that crankcase and the only way okay. to get it out is by changing the oil you might even want to consider going to a synthetic oil on it the synthetic you'd be real safe going about six months on a change okay so it would save you it would actually save you money in this particular case you know and then you just change it twice a year right okay all right thank you thank you bye-bye okay. all right charlie tim Seth, hang on you guys will be straight up after the break Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120
3: inch platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? Putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe
0: and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My and car can make it to December. Plus, I
3: need
7: money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars
3: action figures.
7: Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com.
0: Just in case you're wondering, you listen to an encore presentation from the top secret Automotive Hour Vaults, a program originally broadcast August 28th, 2004. While you can't call in today, you can always reach me by going to the website at agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. Just hit the contact bar, send me an email, and I'll get an answer back to you. Just a good old hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. And Charlie's been patiently holding. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning
6: to y'all. How are you doing? Doing great, good. sir. Okay, it's not an automotive problem, but okay. I'm hoping you can help me. <laughs> I'll try. I just bought a boat, and it was out of state, and I'm trying to get the trailer registered. Yes, sir. And my problem is that I went to you know the Department of War Vehicles and mm-hmm. you know, waited my three hours in line. Yes, sir. <laughs> and they got confused by the registration mm-hmm. and said that I had to go to the police station. State police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I did. And uh, the guy looked at it and said, gee, I'm way confused by this one. I have to get some kind of forensic team or something. Hmm. And they'd give me a call. This is like two weeks ago. And I know that I've only got so much time before I, you know, yeah. i might got my trailer the way I should.
0: Yeah, that's going to have to go through state police, Charlie. Most likely what has happened is either a a homemade trailer, not a manufactured trailer, Mm -hmm. or somebody's changed or altered the VIN number on it, the vehicle identification number on it.
6: What happened is I've got a straight line of ownership and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It was manufactured. Okay. It was manufactured, but I bought it from a guy in Arkansas. Uh Uh-huh. And the Arkansas State Police in their, you know, wisdom decided to cover the original VIN with their own particular number.
0: We know about Arkansas State Police, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) They had other things to take care (laughs) of. They had other things to take care (laughs) of back of my dad's cover-up, you know. Uh, (laughs) We ain't getting political here, though. What you have to do, Charlie, is just go there to the state police. They're going to have to inspect it, inspect the documentation, and then assign you a VIN number. That's going to be the permanent VIN number. here. what they're trying to do is just make sure the trailer had not been stolen. Not to pick on state police because they're just like everybody else, but they got something that's a little risky or a little unpleasant, it's kind of human nature to put it off. As soon as they make a decision, then they got to live with that decision. (laughs) As long (laughs) as they keep putting you off, you know, they don't ever have to make that. And not picking on them because everybody tends to do that. It's something that once they do this, then they're more or less committed to whatever's going to happen after that. So I think they're probably just trying to be real sure and real cautious. Certainly a follow-up phone call would be in order. You're going to have to be pleasant about it. I mean, you can't jump up and down because you're more or less at their mercy at this point. They don't right. have to do anything. But if you've got a clear chain of registration going back you know, to when it was manufactured, I would think it's not anything that's going to be insurmountable, but they are going to have to sign off on it. That's just the way Louisiana law works. Once they give you a okay, this is not stolen, this is a legitimate number, then you can go to the Department of Motor Vehicles. They can't do it any faster, which you might even ask for is as just some kind of a letter or something from state, stating that this is being researched. That way, should you get stopped, at least you've got something with you.
6: That Yeah, that's
0: my biggest worry is that I,
6: you know, stopped, they're worried about it being stolen, so they're going to think it is stolen. Well, <laughs> and if you get stopped, I mean, technically
0: they can impound the trailer. You know, it just depends on how nice the officer that stops you is, how good a day he's having. You know, certainly, yeah, you're operating an unregistered you know, device on the road, so yeah, I would probably, like I said, follow up phone call and then a polite request for maybe some type of documentation so that you could utilize it in the meantime.
6: Okay,
0: thank you much. Thank you, man. Bye bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six number. I think we got time for a couple of more calls here, and we've got Tim on the line. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I got an
3: eighty two Corvette. My center
5: dash cluster, which controls the oil pressure, temperature, and all that. Uh-huh. When I crank the car, my oil pressure and my fuel gauge peg out all the way. Okay. I replace, there's a little flexible circuit board on the back of that cluster. Uh-huh. I replace that, and so I get the same result.
0: Okay, now, you say when you crank it up, it does it? Does it go back to normal at some point? Yeah. Okay, after you're done cranking or while you cranking, I mean, what's the sequence on it? Crank
5: it, it pegs out, goes all the way to the right, pegs out all the way. Okay. Turn the engine off, they go back.
0: Okay, how about when it's just running after it starts? it's running, they, they stay pegged out. Okay, so as long as they're running. I would say probably you're missing a ground or you have an improperly connected ground somewhere in mm-hmm. that circuit. What I do, Tim, is both gauges, the fuel and the all-pressure. Mm-hmm. I try unplugging them one at a time mm-hmm. and see if when you unplug one, the other one resolves itself. At okay. least that'll split your problem in half. You'll know which circuit. In it. Like I said, on the all-pressure gauge, it's on the all the way on the back of the block, behind the distributor, a little sender unit right there. Try unplugging that first and -hmm. see if the problem goes away. If it does, at least you know it's in the all-pressure circuit. But see what happens if you do not have a ground or a proper ground, what's going to happen is that when the motor starts, something is seeking a ground through those gauges, which is pegging them over. Right. Some other circuit. There's probably something else in the car that's not operating properly. Yeah, I did. i got to mention, I did manually ground like the all-pressure gauge. Mm -hmm. It moved to about
5: 40 PSI yeah i I put a test light on it i was getting a dim light on the ground
0: yeah so you got a transient ground there somewhere you just have to unplug the circuits one at a time and see which one it affects they probably just share a common ground that's why it's affecting both of them it's going to be a little difficult to find might play around with and see what you can do if not i mean you may have to actually end up sending this thing to a professional somebody who does electrical work i know i got i got one guy that does a lot of that stuff he's real good at it and he's about the only one that I ever let have things like that because there's just so many possibilities. You know, you probably got three miles of wires on that car and any one exactly. of them, and then, two, in an older car, people have kind of added accessories, taken out accessories, right. tapped into wires, and it's going to be something that I would say probably a transient ground somewhere on the car. It just has to be a matter of locating it.
5: Would be any harm in it to just go ahead and manually ground that, disconnect the ground from the well, I'd be a little
0: cautious there, Tim, yeah. because sometimes those can cause other problems. Right. If something's not getting the proper ground, you end up burning things up. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll see if I can do anything with it. Not, okay. I might run it by your shop. Okay, Mr. Tim. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. All right. is number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, I think we've got time to sneak one in quick here. Greg, go ahead. What you got? Good morning, guys.
6: Yes, sir. i 95- Mazda B-4000 pickup with a okay. little B-6 in it. I'm in the yes. process of doing some tune-up work okay. on it. Took And an they put the little Pure diagnostic thing on it and said that my oxygen sensor is bad because the check engine light's been on about six months now. Okay. Guys just told me that, yeah, there's about three different oxygen sensors on that thing. There is, are. is that the case is uh, yes, where sir. I can find them? And
0: I'm going to tell you the truth, Greg, do whatever you want to do. I would not accept that diagnosis at all. I would go and pay somebody a few bucks and get a, a real diagnosis on it. Mm-hmm. Just because you've got an oxygen sensor code does not mean the sensor's bad. Yeah. By a long, long stretch of imagination, vacuum hose off, cause the exhaust to be lean, oxygen sensor to read out of range, and they're going to say, hey, oxygen sensor's bad. What yeah. you're doing is taking out a better part than what you're putting back in.
7: Gotcha.
0: You know, if you do decide to go this way, just a tip, save your old parts. Because okay. whenever the light's still on when you're done and you bring it to me, I'm going to want the original part to put back in there yeah. and then fix the real problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that we don't no, have to go to Mazda and buy another oxygen sensor.
6: They, they thought that was one reason I, I was complaining that my gas mileage has just gone in the tank. the last Well, that will so, do it.
0: And- O2 sensor will do it. And I'm not saying O2 sensor's not bad, but do yourself a great big old favor and just pay somebody for an honest diagnosis, make sure you got the right thing, and then buy that oxygen sensor from Mazda. Okay. All righty. Thanks for your help. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Alright, four nine 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 five two six number. I think we're gonna to try to sneak in one more quick oh, we got Seth on the line. Good morning, Seth. Morning. Yes, sir. I'm having a
2: problem with my nineteen ninety nine Explorer. Okay. We took it into the shop and well, because it's making this weird chirping sound, kind okay. of like a belt slipping. Uh huh. But it's I'm pretty sure it's not a belt. We is it
0: a three liter motor? No, it's the four liter V six. Okay. Seth When it's doing it, does it do it pretty regular? On and off. Yeah, that's the problem. See, as long as it'll do it, you can generally find it pretty fast. They have a lot of trouble with what they call the camshaft sensor synchronizer on that motor. And it's actually on the back side of the motor away from the belt. So next time it does it, see if you can hear it kind of on the back away from the belt. It sounds exactly like a belt chirping. We get them in constantly with belt chirping noises, and it ends up actually being that synchronizer is going bad. And generally, it's really intermittent. It may do it every day for a week and then not do it at all for two days, that kind of thing. The trick is going to be you're going to have to get it into the shop when it's doing it because we get them in all the time, and the guy wants to bring it in tomorrow and pick it up in the evening. It just never does. We, we listen to it all day long. It never does it, and there's really not any way to be real sure of it without it doing it. Now, if the belt, if you want to just eliminate that as a possibility, Seth, do you do any work on the car yourself? No, but
2: we did take it into the shop. They replaced both pulleys and the belt. Uh-huh. We're still doing that,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and actually, we did listen under the hood of the engine, mm-hmm. and that's... Exactly what you said. It's from uh-huh. the back of the engine. It's Boy,
0: just... that gets mistaken a lot because it sounds exactly like a belt. I mean, it's real hard to determine unless you actually hear it. And you know, if you brought it to the shop and it didn't do it, it would be normal to assume that it was a belt because belts do go bad a lot. And it may have needed a belt anyway. If you want to call a lane and set up an appointment, get it in as long as you can leave it with me until it does it. I can tell you for absolutely sure that's what it is. We do that repair a lot. Uh, the little synchronizer goes bad. And it's not anything you want to play with because it can actually. Not only make the engine not run, but it can damage the engine internally. Just about out of time today. I warned that boy. I warned that boy. I warned him. We warned him. Now, <laughs> hope we don't have any animals uh, right after this out there. <laughs> hey, we appreciate you listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Our preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. If you enjoyed this replay of our vintage automotive hour, please let me know. I'll try to put more of these together for you in the future. Have a great weekend.